you have your Bible, open to Matthew chapter 6. I mentioned last week something about being a prophetic people. A prophetic people are not just people who prophesy, but it's people who hear what God is doing and then become part of what God is doing. Prepare for that. And it seems like what God is saying he's doing and what we're beginning to see are increased demonstrations of power, uh, healing revival. Somebody has prophesied. We're going to see a healing revival, meaning people coming to Jesus as a result of seeing the supernatural, seeing healings, which we just see in the New Testament. Whenever Jesus preached the gospel, he healed the sick. When he sent his disciples out to preach the gospel and to heal the sick, there was something of a demonstration of the supernatural that was a testimony to who Jesus was. And let me tell you, it's still a testimony to who Jesus is. But with that, the prophetic has said there's going to be a shaking. So in the midst of all this wonderful stuff, there's also going to be a shaking. That, every, that everything that is shakable will be removed, Hebrews says. But only the unshakable kingdom will remain. See, sometimes we like to pick parts of it. I like this prophetic word, but I don't like this part. I like this thing that says, hey, there's going to be an outpouring of, of healing and the supernatural. That's wonderful. But don't talk to me about shaking. What that actually means is that the things that people trust in are going to crumble. All this to facilitate an ingathering. Thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people getting saved. That's Jesus' purpose and plan. With that in mind, I want to do some equipping for what God's doing. I want to start a series. I actually wasn't going to start a series. I was going to do it three weeks from now, but I'm starting a preface to the series <laughs> for this week and next week and maybe the week after. So this is a, a, a series we're going to do on healing. So this is healing minus three. Okay? And then we'll do healing minus two and healing minus one, and then we'll get into the healing series. <laughs> so that's my way of saying I'm going to give you a really long introduction <laughs> to this series. Can we pray? Lord, we just acknowledge that it's your spirit that leads us into truth. Yeah. Lord, your word is truth. And we submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to your word. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes and open our minds, but more than anything, that we would fall more in love with you and we would see more and more people come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. In setting the foundation of this, I'm going to read you a lot of scripture this morning, okay? So that's why we tell you when you come, we have coffee out front and we often say, we know the guy who's preaching, coffee's recommended, Especially when he reads a lot of scripture. Helps keep you awake. By the way, if I haven't met you, my name is Russ. Uh, I'm part of the team that leads the church here. I don't lead the church. Jesus leads the church. And he leads the church through a team. So I don't even lead the, the church under Jesus. The team does. I just get to be part of it. Uh, if you haven't figured out, 
my accent. I'm originally from the U.S., though I lived in Australia for 15 years and then back in the U.S. for 10 years and back here now. So I'm actually a dual citizen. So I'm an Australian citizen and a U.S. citizen for a little while anyway. Matthew chapter 6, verse 18. So that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in, in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The lamp of the body is the, is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. It's talking about where you're looking, where your eye is. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add a cubit to a statue? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. For they grow, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? That word is used five times in the New Testament, and it actually means undeveloped faith. It's not unbelief, it's undeveloped faith. It's faith that doesn't see beyond the natural. This whole passage, you can rest assured, I'm not preaching about money. This is about who's our source. I'm going to read, a, I'm going to try not to comment. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, then I'm going to make a few comments at the end, I hope. Some of you know that that's not always how it works. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't worry. It's talking about who is our source. Deuteronomy chapter 8. From verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, of springs flow out of, that flow out of valleys and hills. The land is a type of the kingdom. A land of wheat and barley, of vines, of fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his 
commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage, We've been brought out of the kingdom of darkness and in the kingdom of his beloved son. We no longer live there. We've been transferred from what was Egypt into the kingdom. And that's what this is a type of. With all the blessings, it says, and you lift up and you forget the Lord who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which there were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, with which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Just be patient with me. 1 Kings. Chapter 17. Great story of the prophet. From verse 1, Elijah the Tishbite, the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith that flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. You understand the story. Elijah the prophet prophesied at God's word that there would be no rain. And God said, there's not going to be any rain on the land, so you go here and I'll take care of you. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened, after a while, that the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Imagine that. There was no rain. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a brook dry up because there's no rain, but it's not like it just happens overnight. He didn't wake up one morning, and boom, there's no water. He saw the brook getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. This was God's provision for him. And he sees it drying up. And it happened one day that it all dried up because there was no rain. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Seraphath, which belongs in Sidon. And God provided another way. How would you have felt if you were there and you see the brook drying up? Let me tell you, if the brook is your source, you're going to start worrying. If God is your source, you're going to realize he has another way. Two more, and then I'll make some comments. Acts chapter 3. Wonderful story. 
This is a story of a lame man who was healed. We'll talk about this later on. But in verse 11, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered. It's in his name, through faith in his name, that this man's healed. Some of you are seeing where I'm going here. One last scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul writing to the Corinthians. And there's divisions among them. And he says in verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that neither he who plants nor is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. There's an essential revelation that we have to get. It applies to a whole lot of different arenas, but too often we jump farther in line and we say, I'm going to talk about finances, I'm not talking about finances, but we say that we're going to do that without this revelation, and it becomes legalism. The revelation is this, God is our source. If that's not cemented in our heart, we run into problems. He's the source of life. He's the source of joy. People aren't, God is. He's the source of healing. He's the source of strength when we need strength. He's the source of redemption. He's the source of supply. God is our source. Foundational to us understanding the kingdom of God. Too often I've heard people talk, I'm using finances as an illustration. That's not what I'm aiming at, and you're going to see in a minute. But too often I've heard people talk about finances and talk about tithes and offerings and everything else, but they don't, they don't start with this understanding that if you don't understand that God's your source, then all that just becomes legalistic. That you give so that you can get. No, God's our source. We've already received. Amen. Essential. Revelation. But that's the easy part. Okay? The second part I want to make is that while he can use different means to provide, he's still the source. That's what Deuteronomy was saying. Deuteronomy was saying that even though God gives you the ability to make money, don't think that it's your ability that has provided. God has provided. Elijah at the, the brook, God's the source. So even while it's drying up, he's not worried and anxious, which is what Jesus says in Matthew 6. If God's not our source, what happens? We end up worrying. But if God's our source, we see that even though the means that he used might be coming to an end, he still remains faithful. Faithful is one of those wonderful 
expressions about the character of God. It's a relational term. Most often when we say faithful, we think that God always provides. He's faithful to provide. No, it's he's faithful to his covenant. He's in love with us, and he remains faithful to us. Even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. That's essential. So, your job might be the means that God uses to supply. But your job is not the source. God is. Are you still with me? Not seeing beyond the means to the source is what Matthew 6 calls little faith, puny faith. That word actually means undeveloped. That's why I use puny. It's undeveloped faith. It's basically, I only see what's in front of me, and I don't see the realm of the Spirit. I don't see something bigger. I don't see that God's the source behind this means. I don't see that God's greater than the the brook that's drying up. All I see is what's directly in front of me. You have this wonderful illustration of Peter getting out of the boat. Jesus is walking on the water. They're all afraid. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's me. And he says, if it's you, tell me to come. And you know the story. Jesus says to him, come. So Peter gets out of the boat. And if you read the story, he's walking on the water. And then somewhere it says, and he's seeing the wind and the waves, he gets his eyes off of Jesus onto the natural, and he begins to sink. And then Jesus did something that I find absolutely amazing. He picks them up, they go back to the boat, and he says, Peter, you of little faith. Eleven guys never got out of the boat. He doesn't say, oh, you of little faith. He says to the guy who was actually walking on the water. Why does he have little faith? Because the circumstances consumed his vision. And he wasn't able to see beyond. When do we start worrying when the circumstances consume our vision? And we no longer see the source. See, seeing the source means a whole lot of things. It means that we can be generous because we're not limited by what we see. I told you I'm not talking about finances. I'm not. I'm just using them as illustrations. But Jesus says this, freely you receive, freely give. Okay, he's not just talking about finances. He's talking about everything. We've received the gospel. We can freely give it. We receive healing. We can freely give it. Mary and I had planted a church in Melbourne uh, in 1997. And in 2000, I was working part-time to make ends meet. And we had an Ephesians 4 gifting come that we recognized. And they had a prophetic word for us that we were to be involved in the nations again. Now... I knew what that meant. It actually meant that we were to be involved, involved once again in helping churches in different nations. My kind of weird sense of humor said, we're Americans in Australia. We're in the nations. God didn't really care. But Mary and I took that and we prayed. 
And God spoke to us very clearly a word for us, Ephesians 6.4, let the expense be paid from the king's treasury. We said, God, we're willing to be involved in the nations, but we have no money. We're leading this little church. I'm working. We have no money. How are we going to do that? And God gave us that word, and we just hung on to it. A few weeks later, we were invited to a training time in the States. And uh, we said, okay, God, we're, we're willing to do that, but you just have to provide. So we just received your word that says that it'll be paid from the king's treasury. About two days later, a couple came to us and said, funny thing happened, we've been saving this money for a trip to go overseas. And uh, our circumstances have changed, we can't go. But as we were praying, we felt God say to give it to you because you're going to be going overseas. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we've got the provision to go on this trip. So we're going to be gone for three and a half weeks. And uh, our trip was paid for. And when we got to the States, to the U.S., LAX, I converted the money I had from Aussie dollars to U.S. dollars. I had a $50 Aussie bill. And when I converted it with the con conversion rate at that time and the exchange, I ended up with 18 U.S. dollars. 18 U.S. dollars for three weeks. Now I'm thinking, if we don't eat, we won't die in three weeks. You can fast longer than that. I'll be of great faith. And uh, we have some friends who led a church there, and they invited us to come and minister. So we went to their house first, and this was a Thursday. They said, uh, tomorrow we're going to go to this huge shopping mall, and we're going to take you guys shopping. And Mary and I looked at each other and laughed and went, we have $18, very short shopping trip. And uh, they asked why we were laughing. I said, no, no, uh, about a month ago when we knew that you were coming, our eldership team said, decided, felt we heard from God that we were to take you shopping and buy anything and everything you want. No limitations, except it has to fit in your suitcase to go back. So the very first day we're there, we have gifts, shoes, and, and clothes to take back for our kids. We, had, we have three boys. When you travel, that's always an important thing. And so the very first day, we were blessed that way. And then they gave us an offering from the church, and we went to stay with some other friends, and they said, this you know, funny thing happened is that we actually wrote a check for you guys about six months ago, and we just found it yesterday on our desk. We never mailed it. It was just sitting under a bunch of bills, and we were cleaning up because you were coming. And the bottom line is that in that three and a half weeks, not only did we have enough to cover all of our costs, we had enough to come back and pay all our bills because I wasn't working for that time. God's provision. It's a great story. That was in the year 2000. Since that point... We've just com completed our 56th international trip. Wow. All of them paid out of the king's treasury. God's our source. Mm -hmm. See, the thing is, if we don't see God as our source, we get into trouble. If we think the means that he provides for us is our source, then we begin to worry. If my job is my source, then what if I lose my job? What if the economy goes bad? What if we get a different change of government and they're, they're not as open to, to business? And, and, and pretty soon, I'm consumed with worry. That's what Jesus is saying.
if we see the means he uses to heal us as the source. If Lance prayed for me, and I think Lance did it, then what happens? One, Jesus doesn't get glory, but I say, next time I'm sick, I need to get Lance to pray. Oh, now I'm stepping on toes, huh? See, Jesus is the healer. We're going to talk more about healing in the future. But if we don't recognize that he can use any source, we can miss out. When he has a prophetic word for us and we say, well, if it comes from Johan, then I'll believe that's God because Johan and Fiona, they teach this class and it's wonderful. But I don't really know Richard that well. So God has a word for us from Richard. And we're seeing the means he used the last time as the source rather than Jesus as the source. And we miss the blessing. But also we begin to put the means, the, the instrument he used on a pedestal. Oh, if I can only get to where Steve Brown is. He's the anointed man of God. If I can get there, I'll get blessed. It's all good. Now it's going to get touchy. What happens when we're the means he uses to touch other people? If you don't have this revelation that God's the source, you begin to think more of yourself. My holiness. My faith. Peter says when they came flocking to us, why look at us so intently as if our godliness or our power brought healing to this guy? Settle in your heart. You can't heal anyone. But see, God uses us. And if we're not recognizing where the source come is, we don't, one, give him the glory, but we often can get this little bit of pride that comes in and says, you need me to pray for you. Because when I pray, people get healed. And what am I saying? I'm saying there's something in me. Let me tell you, something in me is Jesus. And we need to keep that our, fo our focus. Why am I preaching this? Because as there is an outpouring of the Spirit of God... And as we've talked about being a kingdom of priests, he wants to use every single one of us. If our heart revelation isn't that he's the source, then we'll touch his glory and eliminate ourselves from the very thing that God's doing. The other side of the coin is, when we recognize that he's the source, he can use anybody. He can use imperfect people, as Lance said. That's all he has to work with. See, the issue isn't how, how prepared am I, how holy am I, how much faith do I have. The issue is how great is he? And so when I feel unqualified, it doesn't change him at all. See, we get this idea that somehow it has to do with us, and so if I have enough faith, 
Sometimes we see faith, we're going to talk about this later on, kind of as like money. And if I have enough faith, you know, if I have a little bit of faith, I can buy, for lack of a better term, healing for a headache. But I don't have enough for healing for someone who's paralyzed. Right? Reality is that our faith can't rest in us it's in him. And is a headache or someone who's paralyzed any difference to Jesus? Is his provision for a job any more difficult for him He can open doors that no man can open. Irregardless of what the economy looks like. Why am I getting sidetracked there? So here's the question. Is he your source? In every area. Finances, help, healing. It's easy to say he's my source of help. Let me ask you, do you pray first or do you pray last? God dealt with me a number of years ago. I actually had to write up a little uh, uh, note and stick it on my bulletin board in front of my office desk, pray first. Because what I found that I would do when I had a problem is I would work at it and I would try and organize it and I would try and, and, and solve it and, and whatever it took and, and I, would, I would try to administrate it into something better. And when nothing worked, I'd pray. It was like God was the, uh, the safety net when nothing else worked, but I had to try it myself. Really dumb. I admit, some of you are thinking, that's really stupid. And you're right. But see, the issue is, do we pray first? Is he our source of help? Or are we our source of When you get tight financially, do you pray, or do you think you should work more overtime? Now, working overtime might be God's means of providing. That's okay. But the question is, do you pray or do you trust in yourself? My might and my power have gained me this victory. Is he your source in healing? If I could only get to that meeting... I could get healed. Second question is, will you give him glory for all that he does? Are you grateful for everything? And for the ministry that you receive, but also the ministry that you're allowed to be a part of in blessing others. Will you say, Lord, what a privilege If we're going to be a prophetic people, if we're going to move into what God is doing, what he's doing is a fresh thing, but it's consistent with his word. And his word says that he shares his glory with no one. So we need to sell that in our heart. God's the source. 
You know, know what? If I pray for someone and they're healed, Jesus did it. If I pray for someone and they're not healed, I don't know, Jesus. I don't understand. But I'm going to keep praying. If I share a prophetic word and people go, oh, wow, that was so accurate. We say, Jesus did it. He gets glory. If he gives me a word of knowledge and it opens up a door, is Jesus getting the credit? Okay, we're getting to talk about healing. But we need to settle this in our heart. About everything, is he my source? As soon as someone tries to give you credit, will you say, not me, Jesus? That's what Peter did. Why look at us as if we did something? Most of us say, we want people to look at us. Look at me. I prayed for them and they got healed. No, we want to give testimony of what Jesus does. If, you, uh, if we give an opportunity for testimony and you waffle on and on, I'll ask you, what did Jesus do? Okay? We don't need to know every little detail. We don't know how you held your, combed your hair and, and put your hands just right and, and did everything right. We want to know what Jesus did. Because yeah. he's the one who gets the credit. Even as we talk about process, even as we talk about partnering with him, we have to keep it in our hearts that he's the one who does it. Just as a side, real quick, as kind of a teaser for the future. Jesus is walking through the crowd. This lady, you know the story, comes. She's had an issue of blood. She comes and she touches the hem of his garment, and he feels power flow out of him. And he stops at everyone and says, who touched me? And the disciples are saying, everyone touched you. But he knows. Now, here this lady, she's hiding because in Jewish culture, she couldn't touch him. She made him unclean. She was considered unclean because of the issue of blood. And so by touching him, she would make him unclean. And so she thought his response, who touched me, wasn't about the power that went out to heal him, but it was about the fact that he had become unclean that wasn't the issue. She fought her way through because she knew that Jesus was the healer. And then he says something amazing. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. And we've so misunderstood that. We think faith is the power that brought healing. Jesus is the power that brought healing. Faith took her through the crowd to touch Jesus. Jesus is the source. His presence. And as we look at this in the, in the weeks to come, we're going to see more and more that all we have to do is press into his presence for healing, for strength, for help, for supply, Whatever we need. Coming to church isn't the answer. Jesus is. Going to a home group, as wonderful as that is, isn't the answer. Jesus is. Jesus died. The curtain was split so that we could come into the very presence of God. And too many of us are standing out in the uh, outer court saying, God, come out here and touch me. 
And he says, no, come in here and touch me. Faith says, I'm going to press through and touch Jesus. I've gone longer than I intended to. Would you bow your head for a second? How we respond before we get distracted by everything else sometimes is essential in sealing what God wants to do in our heart. And there's some here you've been told that God can't use you because of whatever reason. You're not good enough. You're not mature enough. You're not spiritual enough. Unless you fast 40 days every month, God can't use you. For whatever reason, some of you have been told, and God's just wanting to break that and say that his ability to use you isn't based on you. It's based on him. He can even use a donkey. He can make a jackass speak. So if that's you, just allow God to remove that. There's some here, you've been taught and it's settled in your heart that I'm my answer. If I would just work harder, if I would just study harder, if I would just press in, if I would just do more. And we use language that says it's our responsibility. And there's something of pressing through to Jesus, but we're not the answer. And if that's been put on you, God just wants to release you of that this morning. He is your source. He is your answer. Some of you think that if you just behave a certain way, if I act better, if I'm nicer, See, the problem is, if he's not our source, we even approach relationships with an empty cup. And we come to people saying, fill me, fill me. Somebody fill me. I'm coming, my cup's empty. If I find the right person, they'll fill me. And then when they don't, we get upset. But the reality is, he wants to fill us. He's our source. And then we can come to relationships and overflow. We can share love. We can pray for the, the sick. We can share the good news of the gospel. God just wants to set us free with the truth that he's our source. Can we stand?